Welcome to Petrifaction Horror Stories. If you like stories about ghosts, monsters, the weird and mysterious, Bigfoot and other cryptids, UFOs and the paranormal, you're in the right place. If you like stories of the strange and unusual, including true crime stories and unsolved mysteries, well, you're still in the right place. I'm your host, Petey, and I'd like to offer you some advice. Lock your doors, turn down the lights, and sit back and get comfortable. Try to relax. Just remember, friends, be prepared to be petrified. Hexencomf Rock, or Witch's Head, is a large hilly cluster of rocks you'd probably walk right past if you didn't know its long history of witchcraft, evil spirits, death, and curses. Ancient Native American tribes perform rituals of healing there, drawing the evil spirits out of the sick and entrapping them in the rock. The mountains were said to glow from all the evil spirits trapped in them. Early Pennsylvania German settlers, who called it Misery Mountain, began holding their own form of healing ceremonies there called powwows from the 18th century up until the 1950s. Local powwowers healed the sick by drawing the evil spirits out of them and putting them in the rock, much like their Native American predecessors. Some say these evil spirits have escaped the rocks and now roam the surrounding woods. Strange things have also been associated with the rocks in the surrounding area. Tales of witches dancing around a tree at the summit of the rock, ghostly lights, strange sounds, and the distinct feeling of someone beside you as you walk through the surrounding woods are all stories told by visitors. Only way a Hexenkamp witch could be killed was to chase her off the hill so that she fell to her death in the valley. Many stories were told about the evil doings at the Hexenkampf, and oral lore accumulated over time, even into present times. The witches were said to be local wives who fooled their husbands by leaving sticks in their beds. The glow may in fact have a natural explanation. The rock has a high mica content, which glints in the night conditions of the moonlight. The Hexenkampf is dubbed Misery Mountain for its reputation of bad luck accidents, 
suicides, murders, mysterious fires, crop failures, and mishap that happen in the vicinity, even into present times. The vanishing cart or car is prominent in lore. People travel up the steep hill, never to come down on the other side. One of the old stories tells of an abusive, violent man who mistreated his family and his animals. One night he stormed off in a fit of anger to go to a tavern. He hitched up his horse and mercilessly beat the horse all the way up the hill, giving no rest. At the summit, a mist descended around him and the animals, and they were never seen again. The hill was famous also for its poisonous wind. Powwowing belief held that all diseases and illnesses were caused by evil actions of the devil, demons, and witches who were constantly tormenting and harassing people. The evil ones caused a contagion wind to blow that brought illness to humans and animals. Historical records seem to confirm that there was witchcraft afoot in Williams Township in the 1860s. A widow was accused of causing a neighbor's white horse to become sick by cursing it. Court records indicate that she denied being a witch at first, but then admitted to it. She was found guilty and sentenced to one year of imprisonment and the humiliation of standing in the pillory. Then there's the tale of a ghostly, one-legged farmer who apparently fell to his death off the rocks while pursuing a witch. You can not only see him, but you can also hear his wooden leg tapping on the rocks. Historically, people who have lived near the rock are said to have experienced an unusually high rate of fires, illness, bad luck, suicides, insanity, and other woes. Halloween night is supposedly when the rock is most active, with witches and evil spirits. Apparently, even some of the people who have the guts to live near the rock won't venture near it on Halloween. Hexenkopf, Witch's Head, is a rocky hill near eastern Pennsylvania in the Lehigh Valley. It's steeped in witchcraft, superstition, and folklore, influenced by German immigrants who settled the area in the 18th and 19th centuries. The Hexenkopf rises to 1,030 feet above sea level and is the highest peak in Northampton County. It's part of a group of rocky hills that are among the oldest exposed rocks in the United States. Originally, the Hexenkopf was known as Groggy Rustic. One of the early landowners around the hill was Johann Seeler, who became famous as a powwower which was a healer whose remedies included power and magic spells. Sealer's son, Peter Sailor, became even more famous as a powwower and used the Hexenkampf in his magical cures by casting out illnesses into the rock. The German immigrants imported their beliefs in witchcraft, witches, demons, and magical healing called called Braukerei in Germany, and then powwowing in America. Many of the settlers had come from the Harz Mountains area, where witchcraft beliefs were especially strong. 
The Harz Mountains were known as the abodes of witches, and the tallest peak, the Brocken, was the site of regular sabbats and witches' revelries, most notably Wapurgenacht. In the Lehigh Valley, the Hexenkampf took over that role. Locals feared the witches' gatherings. The only way a Hexenkampf witch could be killed was to chase her off the hill so that she fell to her death in the valley. Many stories were told about the evil doings at the Hexenkampf, and oral lore accumulated over time, even into the present times. The witches were said to be local wives who fooled their husbands by leaving sticks in their beds so that they could escape on their brooms to attend their nocturnal gatherings. Now, After World War I, a man sued for divorce because he discovered his wife was a witch. He claimed to his lawyer, one night he couldn't sleep, but his wife thought he was asleep and rose from their bed to rub her face with a magical ointment. She mounted her broom, said an incantation, and then flew out the window. The curious husband got up and did the same, rubbing his face with the ointment, mounting another broom, and uttering the incantation. He said he flew through the air to the top of the Hexenkopf, where an, where an unholy revelry was taking place around a bonfire. The man's wife was not surprised to see him. She led him through dancers to a table where black men with long tails were giving out a hot drink. He took a few sips and passed out. When he awoke, it was dawn, and he was in a neighbor's pig pen. This was more than enough reason to sue for divorce, the man insisted. But the matter was resolved privately and never went to court. Lore holds that whenever the Hexenkopf glows at night, the witches and demons are there. The glow may, in fact, have a natural explanation. The rock has a high mica content, which glints in the light when the conditions of the moonlight are right. The Hexenkopf is dubbed Misery Mountain for its reputation of bad luck, accidents, suicides, murders, mysterious fires, crop failures, mishaps, things that happen in the vicinity even to present times. And the story of a vanishing cart or car is prominent in the lore. People travel up the steep hill never to come down the other side. One of the old stories tells of an abusive, violent man who mistreated his family and animals. One night he stormed off in an anger to go to a tavern. He hitched up his horse-drawn wagon and mercilessly beat the horses all the way up the hill, giving them no rest. But at the summit, a mist descended around the man and the animals, and they were never seen again. The hill was famous also for its poisonous wind. Powwowing belief held that all diseases and illnesses were caused by the evil actions of the devil, demons, and witches who were constantly tormenting and harassing people. The evil ones caused a contagion wind to blow that brought illness to humans and animals. Such winds could blow off swamps, marshes, graveyards, caves, and cellars, but the contagion wind that blew from the Hexenkampf was the most toxic of all. Peter Saylor, a famous powwower, 
called it evil poisoning of the air and said it was Satan punishing the sinful. Mysterious charmed animals roamed the Hexenkampf. In the 19th century, a charmed white fox was seen one winter. As long as it was about, hunters could kill no game. They could not kill the fox either, not even by poison bait. Shots fired at it missed. Locals believed that the fox was the embodiment of all the evil spirits who resided on the hill. The Hexenkampf also is home to numerous ghosts and hauntings, the ghosts of witches and of the dead who died mysteriously or tragically on or near the hill have been reported, seen, and heard. On dark and windy nights, a headless man and a headless dog are seen in the area. Fiery, rolling balls of spectral fumes are supposedly the ghosts of two farmers who fought bitterly over property rights. Also seen is the ghost of a peg-legged farmer named Brown, who reportedly fell to his death while chasing a witch. On moonless nights, he runs up behind people, making a stumping noise with his peg leg. He has gray hair, a beard, and a terrifying face. The Hexenkampf is under private ownership today. Ruins of old, abandoned homes still exist on it. So mentioned several times now in this episode are powwows. Powwow is folk magic. And the folk magic powwow is not the same as the Native American ritual. Powwows, also known as bracare, is a form of folk magic and healing remedies which originated in Pennsylvania among the people of German descent. This collection of rituals, charms, and traditional medicine was born in Europe and came to Pennsylvania with early settlers during America's colonial period. The Pennsylvania Dutch powwow is a blend of folk magic, healing remedies, and Christian theology. The word powwow comes from an Algonquin word that refers to healing. Charms and spells are used for protection, healing, and many other needs, from the mundane requests such as protecting cattle to medical emergencies like bleeding and even legal troubles. Today's powwow practitioners learn via oral traditions, but they're only taught to students who plan to use their skills to help others. It is taboo to accept payment for work. Now, although the words are similar, the folk magic practice of powwow is not the same as the Native American practice of powwow, which is a social event bringing together people of different backgrounds for celebrations, ritual, song, and dance. Interestingly, both Native American powwow and the Pennsylvania Dutch folk magic practice of powwow have the same etymology. The word powwow itself originated with the Algonquin Nation, and it refers to a curative healing ritual. Today, some practitioners use the word braukare to avoid confusion with the Native American terminology. In the 17th century, most of the people living in the area that is now Pennsylvania were Native Americans. Tribes like the Algonquin Lenape and the Iroquois, Kentatentonga, and Susquehannock were indigenous to the region. 
and other groups like the Shawnee and Mohawk occasionally made their way into the territory. By 1700 or so, that all changed. Both the Dutch and the English tried to lay claim to the lands on either side of the Delaware River. During the late 17th century and on into the 18th, settlers from Europe poured into the area, claiming land along what was then the frontier. Many of these new arrivals were German-speaking, and some had fled religious persecution in their home countries. They brought with them a number of different religious traditions. Although many of them were staunch Lutherans and Protestants, they were also Amish, Mennonite, and Anabaptists. After settling in eastern Pennsylvania, they became known as the Pennsylvania Dutch, or Pennsylvania German Community. They weren't truly Dutch, like people from the Netherlands. Instead, the use of Dutch is an adaptation of Dutch, which means German. Many of the practices these settlers brought with them were religious traditions with origins from the period prior to the Reformation. They venerated the saints of the Roman Catholic Church and used prayers and blessings for everyday activities. When it came to matters of healing, they often included consecrated objects and invocations in tandem with herbal remedies. Sacred symbols were invoked for protection. This can still be seen today in the hex signs that adorn many barns. As these new settlers on the frontier came into contact with their Native American neighbors, the word powwow, which referred to a trance-like healing ritual, was adopted and applied to the folk traditions that they practice. In the early 1800s, a book entitled Powwows, or Long Lost Friend, was published by John George Homan, who had collected a series of charms, folk remedies, spells, and talismans. This book became one of the key foundations of powwow practice in Pennsylvania. In powwow, Perhaps the most valuable text a practitioner can have on hand is the Bible. The theory is that healing magic comes from God, and therefore use of scripture for healing is the only true Christian way to practice magical folk remedies. Many charms and spells included in powwow have their origins in the practice of medieval European Catholics, who often use them to protect themselves against the malevolent witchcraft. Other literature used for reference includes Hoban's book, the esoteric works like the Sixth and Seven Books of Moses. Charms and spells found in powwow include some of the following. To protect cattle, mix up a blend of wormwood, asafoetida, and other herbs with soil from your stable and some salt. Combine these in a fabric pouch and bury it under the threshold of your barn where the cattle enter and exit. This will keep them safe from theft this will keep them safe from theft and disease. Or to treat a fever, turn your shirt inside out for three mornings in a row. As you do so, say, Turn thou shirt, and fever likewise turn. I tell thee this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. After the third day the fever will subside. If you're going to court and want a favorable outcome, write the words, 
I appear before the house of the judge. Three dead men look out of the window, one having no tongue, the other having no lungs, and the third sick, blind and dumb, on a piece of paper. Carry it in your pocket as you go to court and repeat the incantation before you see the judge. To stop bleeding, breathe upon the injured person three times and recite the Lord's Prayer three times, stopping when you get to the words upon the earth. Powwow practices can also be used to cure warts and burns, prevent theft, or even compel a thief to return stolen goods. In addition, homes and people can be protected from harm. Today, many people still practice powwow. Practitioners are sometimes referred to as the brockeray if they are female, a brocker if they are male. Among some Pennsylvania Dutch communities, practitioners are simply called the powwow doctor or powwower. Traditional powwow is passed along as part of an oral tradition, taught from male practitioners to female and vice versa. In general, powwow practices are only taught to students who plan to use them to help others. Pennsylvania German powwower Robert Phoenix there are a few rules in the tradition that must always be followed. First, no powwower ever reveals the name of the person who brought them to powwow. He also says that if you don't believe in the Christian God or follow the Bible, powwow probably isn't for you. After all, its roots are in the, are in the Judeo-Christian theology. Finally, Phoenix says that there's a taboo against accepting payment for work. Many of the prayers, rituals, and charms are memorized rather than formally written down, and most experienced powwowers will only share them with those who feel called to use their God-given abilities to heal and protect their community. So I found this about the powwowers, and um, there are powwowers and there are hex doctors. So what I actually found in the research was that powwowers practice folk medicine it's based upon Christianity and the Bible. And these are rituals performed for healing and well-being. It's not to be confused with a hex doctor. A hex doctor is basically the opposite. They practice witchcraft and they use dark forces to dominate others and achieve earthly things through evil. They curse and bring forth unfortunate incidents such as fires that destroy property. And these are just a few examples and that's the difference. Music for today's podcast is purchased and licensed through Pond Bot. Special thank you to Sound Phenomenon, providing fun orchestra stock music from Pond 5. And to Sterling Audio for uplifting acoustic pop heading home. Stock music also provided through Pond 5. And that's all the time we have for today's show. I want to thank you for joining me and listening to today's stories. And if you like the show, hit subscribe, give it a rating, 
or tell a friend and share the show. Until next time, this has been Petrifaction. Take care. Thank you.